Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And uh, we're doing something a little bit different today. It's um, the first one we've done that isn't on a conventional movie. We're talking about an art uh, installation called The Clock. Yes. Which is pretty well known uh, and it's kind of popular whenever it comes around. It's been around for about ten years and it's by Christian Markley, mm. who's an artist. Uh, we saw this at the Tate. It's been there for the last couple of months. It's actually just finished by the time this will go out. Yes. Uh, you you went down a few times to see it. I saw it four times, and I went down just once. I saw it uh, twice. Twice you went twice. Well, I went I went down the once, but I went in twice. Ah, okay. <laughs> I mean, so I, I, in I, that I, case, I tra- I made the trip to London once. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. Because um, it was on at the Tate Modern. Yes. So I had four visits. Yeah. Um, I went uh, once with my sister uh, and my brother-in-law. I went uh, once more with. Uh, Nikki, my friend, and then I went twice with you. Yeah, yeah one, last weekend. That's last weekend. A so, Friday evening and Saturday morning. So, uh, what the clock is, is a 24 hour long film. Um, it's a supercut, really. Supercuts are kind of a YouTube thing where you'll get, like, um, uh, every time Dr. House insults his staff for instance, and it'll be taken from every single episode of House and cut together very quickly. Mm. And it just shows you kind of one aspect of something. And they're normally done for comedic effect. Um, they're just they're, they're little fun things to look at. There's one I really like, which is Claire Danes doing the cry face, where she, she weeps and everything that she's in, and it cuts together all of those. It has a relationship to that. But what it does is take, uh, mainly from film, also from TV, shots of clocks and watches, and occasionally people telling the time, talking about the time. And it synchronises them to the real hour of the day. Mm. So you go in, it, it, it had a few 24-hour through-the-night showings, but mainly the, you could mainly just see it you know, when the tape was normally Between open. 10 and 10. Between 10 and 10 of the weekend, which is when we saw it last weekend. And um, so you'd go in at 10 in the morning, and then you see clips of films synchronised to the real clock. So you see stuff happening at 10 in the morning, 10 past 10, 20 past 10, and so on. And the, and the clock is constantly, as in the clocks in the film... Are constantly foregrounded. You know, you're constantly looking for them. There's a, there's a kind of a game aspect to it which I quite liked, mm. which was occasionally the shot would be straight of the clock and you just see it and you know it was 25 past 10. But sometimes the shot would be would have nothing to do with the clock. You'd see someone walking around a house and you'd go, "Where's the clock in this?" Mm. And then right at the end, the camera would pan and there'd just be a grandfather clock and you go, "There's the clock." Yes, <laughs> and that's quite good fun and it recontextualizes things that you see. Um. So, so I suppose the the central idea is that this film is not only about clocks and indeed about time, but is itself a clock. You can keep time by the time in the installation. Roughly speaking, yes, yeah. Because as we noticed, we talked about this a little bit before, and um, one of the things we noticed was there are times when there are more clips to choose from, and there are times when there's very few. So when thing, so on the hour. You tend to get a preponderance of clips. Mm. Things th- things happen on the hour. People meet up, or you know, people are late, or there are deadlines, or things like that. Yes. So there are more clips to choose from. I remember, I remember when I saw it at eight, eight o'clock in the evening, and eight o'clock itself took about two minutes to do. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And then it kind of jumped forward to eight o two and eight o three, where and there are sometimes when it seems that they haven't actually managed to get a clip at all, and it 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 builds. There's a conflict in, within the film between how uh, down the line it wants to take its own brief and how uh, kind of exactly it wants to f- follow itself. I don't know. And if I it's think a- when it's when it's more a little bit more free and it cuts around itself and actually does a bit of filmmaking, that's when I liked it more. I think there are a lot of episodes like that, though. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think that um, the film is more formally daring and innovative and playing around with different things than just keeping time. Go um, Well, I mean, you know, it's kind of... I mean, we discussed uh, earlier some of the problems uh, in terms of how the, 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 the clips are knit together, right? So um, we couldn't figure out what ratio the film was using, but it seemed to be like some halfway ratio between, like, you know, one three three and a wider screen. So it's filling the space and it's making all of the clips that it chooses kind of the same so that it doesn't kind of jump around. So, you know, and and that has the effect 
of altering the shots of the films in which the audience is getting pleasure from either recognizing or loving, right? Yeah. So kind of most of the compositions are ruined, really. So kind of what you're seeing is a fragment of a fragment of a film that you love or recognize or are curious about, right? So now, you know, that's kind of just one of the one of the one of the problems that we noticed. But the film is also kind of making you pay attention to particular things. So some of the times it edits actually on images, you know, not on just the time, right? So, um, you know, I I remember, um, you know, this whole segment, which was just about cigarettes. Yeah, and packs of cigarettes. Yeah. Uh, There was a segment which was just about pocket watches. Um, Yeah? Yeah. So, and the film is is kind of... Uh, doing, I suppose, all these formal experiments on, um, you know, you think you've watched the clip uh, and, you know, then the film kind of inserts other clips and then it returns back to, you know, the the film that I noticed the most or that seemed to crop up the most in the hours that I watched was Laura. Yeah, Otto Preminger's Laura. So, you know, kind of, it kept going back to that film over various sequences and you know it kept using the the music from the film and actually sometimes it put the music of the film in other sequences where it was not mm-hmm. the music from and you know very very evidently it sometimes used the music of the end of the 400 blows which is like mm-hmm. really instantly recognizable and placed it on something else i forget now what right kind of very disjunctive yeah so i think the film is kind of doing all kinds of formal games it's playing with things and and how you see that don't just have to do with yeah you know that's one of the things super cuts as i said this is one of the things that i liked i liked when it it's um slightly moved away from that very uh kind of basic brief of telling the time so the thing i'm thinking of is between the hours of sort of seven and eight you get people going out to the theater Hmm. And uh, there's a meeting up on dates, and there's one I forget the I don't know the film, but it's Nicolas Cage and Cher. Moonlight is it? Um, they Where they go up, to see La Bohème, right? <laughs> so they so they meet up on a date, and it starts off with an establishing shot uh, in a square where she's waiting for him, and there's a there's a, a public clock. It's the Met, yeah, they're going to the Metropolitan Opera in New York. No, never seen Moonlight. Huh? Um, so so you see the clock, and that that establishes whatever it's ten past seven, um, and then they meet up. And you cut away and you go to other things. And then you come back a little bit later and the film has the film is now showing you them move, taking their seats in the opera. And a little bit later you see them actually watching the opera. But there's no clocks in those bits. They're not checking the time or anything. So, so sort of in literal terms, there's no reason for those shots to be there. They shouldn't be mm. because they don't fit the brief. But what the film's doing is intercutting them with lots of other shots of people taking mm. their seats in various plays and operas and things. Other people watching shows, other people meeting up on dates. So, and again, not all of those have, have the time in either because mm. it just wouldn't work, you know. Not every film is going to do that at 10 past 7. Mm. But you, but it builds a profile of, of a lot of people all meeting up in various places doing the same thing at the same time. Like, it brings people, it, it kind of... I don't know how better to say it than it kind of brings people together. That's, that's a bit of a cliche way of saying it, but I think that's kind of the idea, right? Mm. It, it builds an idea of what people do. You, you, there are other points where, um, you know, people are all having dinner at the same time or people are coming home from work at the same time. And, it, and again, it, it, it edits those together um, without paying attention to uh, having to show you a clock to do that, <clears throat> which I think is quite effective. And the other aspect to it is uh, if you actually watch the film Moonlight... Uh, then I assume that it, that happens. You you cut from Moonstruck. Sorry, Moonstruck. Sorry. Um, uh, I would assume that you cut from them meeting up to going into the place or whatever. It's, it, like in editing a film, you you cut out the bits in between. You jump mm. through the evening, and what this does is separate those bits in time. So you see them at ten past seven meeting up, and then you wait a while, and then it's twenty past where you catch up with them again, taking their seats. They've mm. met up. They've had a drink or whatever. So. You, you get a kind of a quite visceral feeling of the time passing and and their evening kind of progressing. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do know. There's one in the in the early morning as well with Jason Statham waiting for a train at mind of the transporter. Yes. And again, it, it it shows you that it cuts away, it comes back, it cuts away, and you get again a visceral feeling of the time it's taking him to wait for this train. Yes. Um, can we talk about some of the some of the other problems 
uh, in the film, I, I, I noticed that it's really built on a canon. Yeah, so it, it's built on a culture and then also a canon. So my my I recognize I would say you know over ninety percent of 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 the you're clips. very proud of that. That's another game aspect to it. I think is the, just get recognizing the yes. Clips. It's you know because I mean one of the wonderful things about the film is actually that it's drawing on cinephilia. Mm. You know it is it is about the, there's an aspect of it is how cultured are you? How many of these clips do you recognize? Right? Yeah. Uh, and and actually in recognizing them. You also recognize what they're doing together. Yeah, why, how, what the editing is doing. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes actually, what the film is, what the clock is doing, is reliant on you knowing where those clips come from. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not always, but sometimes. You know, and that's part of the pleasure of of, of watching the film, uh, of watching the clock, at least for me. But it was very obvious that most of the clips were um, from Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's actually a very considerable amount of British. Uh, yeah. uh, content the biggest minority yeah in the film uh, and and quite a lot of that is also television mm-hmm. right kind of there were bits from the prisoner and the Avengers I recognized mm-hmm. and uh, uh, so on and then the rest is really what I would call you know an anglo-american canon you know so you see some Ozu you see some Bergman uh, uh, you see some uh, um, uh, uh, Ray such Ray films mm-hmm. right Um Nothing kind of surprises, right? Like, so, you know, you can, you can tell that, uh, you know, there's been no specialist in African cinema or something, you know, that has been sent to look at clocks in <laughs> the work of Sembene or something. Um, and, and actually, you feel it, you feel it quite, you feel it's quite marked. I, yeah? Yeah, well, uh, so the other thing I, I noticed to that, it was one of the first things I kind of really picked up on when I was watching it, um, is how white it is as well. Yes. It's not just that it's Anglo-American, but it's very white. There, there were a couple of clips. Uh, the first, the first bit of it I saw was seven till ten in the evening, and there were a couple of clips of um, "Do the Right Thing." Yes, it's Ice Cube and Chris Tucker, and they they tell the time twice, and they just sat on the side just talking about the time. And you know, they really stand out. Yes. Like, oh, I, I, wait a minute, there's there's two black people there. I haven't seen black people in this thing yet. Like, it's not it's not just that it's um, very western; it's also very white. And the other aspect to what you're talking about is when a non English language film is shown, it's not shown with subtitles. Yes. And on the one hand, I can sort of see the argument to say that well, the subtitle shouldn't be important because it's not the specifics of what is you know, what these people are talking about. That is important. It's the generality of where they are and what they're doing. On the other hand, it disadvantages the clips. You know, you can yeah. understand everything else if you if you're only speaking. But it particularly disadvantages the clips when the clips themselves are distorted. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, if you have a, a not distorted but cropped, so a couple were actually well, distorted. Well, to but... me, cropped is distorted, right? So I mean, there were there were some um, uh, images from um, v- von Sternberg's *The Scarlet Empress*. Um, and the lady from Shanghai, in fact, or Shanghai, I forget what the name is, um, where um, Marlena Dietrich's face, you can see she's kissing kind of these um, masks, mm. right? And, you know, she, her, her face is sometimes cropped out of, uh, partially cropped out of the frame because they need to elongate it to this kind of odd ratio that they have. Right, so 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 there are a couple of shots that have actually been stretched. I yeah, noticed, but most of them are just cropped. So, which I'm not saying that's okay. Well, I'm saying it's a distortion. Okay, of uh, sorts. You know, um, well, it's a literally a distortion. No, a distortion <laughs> is actually a. a you say it's been stretched. It's distorted. So. Yeah, no, only a couple of them were actually stretched. That's the point I'm making. Most of them were cropped, not stretched. Okay, in either case, you know, so the stretched is definitely a distortion. You know, the cropped is. You know, a different image than was intended. So it, I, it also yeah, distorts I, I kind of what you think about. But it. that's a separate so, point. That's a separate point to what I'm talking about, though. I'm talking about the um, the way that not subtitling films from from non English language uh, d- disadvantages them. And I think it does because there's no way that this film, were it shown in you know, Italy or France or Japan, would not be subtitled. Absolutely, most. I can't imagine that it wouldn't be. Yeah, you know, absolutely. So it's it, and it shows actually a disrespect. Um, I think for well, I think it has. It does have a kind of imperial attitude, actually. A bit. 
Well, I think it does. I mean, like yeah. you said, I can't imagine this being shown in Bologna or Madrid and actually all the English clips not having subtitles. Exactly. I, I just can't imagine that. I agree. Right. So, um, um, you know, so the reverse seems to be okay here. And, and that is kind of offensive, actually. Mm. Um, on the other hand, maybe they wouldn't subtitle it and they would just assume everyone can speak English. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's a possibility. But certainly the, the English language films are privileged beyond everything else actually to the point where there's such a so there are, there are definitely you know a few French a few Italian you see them kind of dotted around and they come up like once every 10 or 15 minutes you notice them. that's what I mean but about the very, canon and yeah they're very famous ones right yeah exactly you know there's quite a lot of Truffaut that I noticed but they're very very rare but actually I mean so there was one the Sagittarius I think it was it showed up once and it's like literally the only Indian person I saw in it in the kind of five and a half hours I saw of it yes. you know uh, which is kind of nuts. Yes. <laughs> and um, the fact that they come along kind of so intermittently actually makes you notice them more. Like, in, in a way, it might have been stronger, or a, a stronger is not the right word, it might have been more coherent and less of a problem had the film only worked with English language. Now, I'm not saying that that would be a good thing to do, but the fact that, you know, I, I think that including um, non-English language films means that they should have taken up a much higher proportion you know I can't imagine that people in Japan don't tell the time but it's a very imperialist attitude so it, 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 you notice you notice their absence so much more by the fact that they turn up just a little bit mm. you know it it's reminds a, you that they're not it's imperialist there. with all that goes along with it because I also think it's racist right um, I mean you know you could have made a deliberate choice to kind of include uh, you know, clips from Latin American cinema, of which I didn't see any at all, yeah, um, or I didn't recognize any from, you know, neither Mexico nor Argentina. The, actually, the, I think there were a couple of Brazilian ones. Um, yeah, but still, mm. right, kind of, uh, or, or Africa, very few uh, uh, from uh, Southeast Asia and very few from Southwest Asia. I, that which doesn't make the canon, you know, is absent from this film. And I think they could have made a deliberate kind of conscious choice, you know, to be more inclusive in those ways. I agree. There's, um, and at the very least, if not, I think racists might be overdoing it. Certainly imperialism, it kind of hangs over it. But I think ultimately it speaks to a lack of imagination. It, it, it's basically like, like going to the IMDb top 200 and saying, like, look at all these in order. Mm. And only when you've found clips from those are you allowed to look at less important films, yes. you know, or less popular films. Mm. Um, that, that's it. So the fact that it doesn't basically put anything in you kind of wouldn't expect, mm. really, um, is an issue. Um, and and let's let's talk about like okay, so we're talking about it having problems in that, but let's let's try and think about the overarching sort of point or aim of it because it's only a problem if it kind of detracts from what it's trying to do. And if and I think the idea behind or one of the main ideas behind it is to connect people. It's to show how people across eras and cultures are connected. You know, it's not only between like films from the eighties and films from the fifties and films from the thirties. It's in it's in where they're set. You know, so there's a lot of westerns. Yes. Um, but there's films set, you know, kind of in, in pretty much every era that people were telling time. Yes. Um, and the I think you know the idea is to sort of cut. There's one thing that the film does quite a lot, which is show someone picking up the phone, yes. and then it'll cut to someone on the phone in a completely different film answering, and it makes a little conversation out of that. And very often the way it does that is by showing, it's not only that they're in different films, but their films are from different eras. Normally, the one film is in color and the other is in black and white. It cuts between them very starkly mm. to kind of to kind of make this connection. Or someone will walk through a door in one film and a door will open in another and they'll you know someone else will yes. emerge. It can, so it connects it connects through editing, and I think I think there is a project in it to to basically show how you know deep down there's a there's an underlying humanity to everyone we're all the same in certain ways you know no matter you know, no matter where you are in the world no matter what era you lived in at 7:30 you're having dinner with the family well you know i don't know i kind of um which means that i the, mean let's be clear i really loved it i loved seeing it you know i loved the cinephile games it plays i love recognizing the clips or i loved asking things like where was that charles bronson clip from that i don't recognize Right, I haven't seen that film. You know, all of that stuff I loved. I loved the formal exercises. You know, I loved, you know, that often it would cut on smoke, 
right? Or, you know, that it kind of returns or, you know, the things with doors or like, you know, what you're saying, kind of cutting through spaces. I loved the way that it sometimes kind of, you know, cut on point of view, right? Or um, it, it kind of redeployed sound or kind of, you know, re-edited different sounds onto the images. I kind of, I loved all of that. Um, my problems are indeed, um, you know, what it chose to draw on and what it excluded. And this idea that, you know, we're all the same. Well, actually, in a way, the film is telling you, no, we're not all the same because, you know, kind of Aryans are disproportionately represented in this. Like, the world is Aryan. <laughs> well, exactly. That, that's, what, that, that's what I'm getting to. I'm, what I'm saying is, if, if we're, you know, if we're saying that the, the idea, well, one of the ideas behind the film is to... Uh, kind of bring different peoples together. We mustn't say film, because it's not really... Okay, well, uh, the project... The installation. Whatever. whatever. We know what we're talking about, though. If, if we're saying one of the ideas of the piece is to uh, kind of connect peoples through these com- commonalities and through, ultimately, the time of day, then what we're saying is that everything we've talked about in terms of the problems with cultural representation are real problems because well, they detract from it. I think they are real That's problems. what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay. They're not just problems because they I, don't represent what we'd like to see. I agree. They're problems because they detract from the point of the film. I agree. The point of the art. Um, though, you know, one of the pleasures of a film is also that it induces a kind of reverie. Right? So if you're not too punctilious about, you know, the distorted imagery and the changes of ratio, if you're not kind of too purist about all of that... Mm. There is something about the rhythms of the clock that it makes that is um, fascinating. I was going to say lulling, because it is also lulling, but lulling in the best sense. Lulling not as in the sense that it lulls you to sleep, Mm. you know, but that it it induces a kind of a a calm enjoyment, really, you know. um, You you, you get lost, I think. So what I found is, I mean... When I first got there, it was very, very busy in the evening, so I didn't have a seat for two hours, and I was stood at the back. And I noticed the two hours I was stood up for, you know, my feet hurt. Mm. But at the same time, and the other thing is you notice the time because it's on the screen for you. Like, you can't forget what time it is. The whole point of the thing is it's showing you the time. Mm. And yet, um, you find very quickly that time has passed. Yes. You know, so you, you're there between seven and eight, and you go, Jesus, it was it was seven o'clock a minute ago. Yes. <laughs> it wasn't, you know. Um, so... When the, where the film is most interesting and most active, when it has the most going on, it, it passes time very, very quickly and very easily and very naturally. Yes, I love it. I mean, the fact that it's cutting so starkly between films of different eras and, and types and whatever and looks, um, you think it will kind of, kind of, kind of constantly be jarring. Um, but it's not. You're con- I think it's, it's, not to, it's not like... You remain mentally active, right? It's not like you fall asleep watching it. Like You're constantly thinking about what you're seeing. But the time just goes. Yes, I, 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 I thought so, and I, and I did love it actually. You know, so I'm, I'm kind of, I'm pointing out all of these problems because I think they, they are, in retrospect, when you begin to think about the film, mm. um, you know, and try to kind of make sense and kind of figure out what it's doing and so on, um, and the underpinnings of it. Uh, to me, these elements are problems. But at the moment of watching it, I was just fascinated and riveted. But also, you know, kind of, yeah, you know, lulled into a, this kind of, uh, you know, Trance. hypnosis. Yeah, you know, the kind of, I was really loving what I was seeing. Uh, and also the pleasure of watching it is because it moves from clip to clip, you know, whilst also kind of doing things with the clips, right? You're kind of move. You, so, you know, there's never a moment or there was never a moment where I felt, oh, I'm bored. Right, because you know something happened, and then it moved on to something else, and then something else, and at each instance, so every five minutes or something, it would be um, touching on a different exercise, right? Mm. You know, so again, kind of my memory's not too good, but you know, I keep going back to the thing about the smoke, yeah. or the clock, or the pocket watches, uh, or the smoking and the ashtrays, or the opening of car doors. I remember as well, or the going to the theater. Right. You know, so there would be sequences that would be like almost thematically unified yeah. while also exploring some aspect of film form. You know, and I, I, I really was fascinated, really. Um, the, so, I did like those, but I would I would kind of um, I would also say that for me, as much as I like those aspects of when it actually go, indulges in filmmaking and creative editing, to me, they're too few and far between. 
You know, I think it's where the film, where the piece is at its best, but I don't think it's doing that often enough. And there's a whole. I remember between eleven and eleven thirty, nothing interesting happened. Well, I mean, you know, let's yeah. be clear. I mean, I I made four trips to the Tate mm. to see this. Yeah. Right. So it interested me enough to go four times to one place. Yeah, and I would see know. more of it as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was, I was fascinated by this when I first heard about it about five, five or six years ago, mm. and I actually never thought I'd get the chance to see it, you know. Um, so I was thrilled to be able to, and my whole idea of the weekend was just see as much of it as I can. Yes, and then having seen that first three hours that I saw the first evening on Friday, when I went back in the morning on the Saturday, I thought, I'm not sure how into this I am, which is why I said at twelve fifteen, should we just, should we have lunch? Yes. You know. Well, and I had seen from twelve to two previously, so yeah. I was quite happy. Um, so I, I but of, I really regretted. I was a little bit disappointed in my experience. Well, no, I wasn't. And actually, I think had I been younger and not have to work and not have a lecture to give, you know, Monday morning, um, I would have. I would have done the whole nighter. I really wanted to. I mean, it was only the fear that it would rot, wreck my body clock to the extent. Mm. that I wouldn't be able to do my work properly. That's the only reason that yeah. held me back. I, I would have quite happily... I actually, I'm fast. I wish I could see, you know, the moments like from 12 to 8 a.m. Yeah. You know, I think they're bound to be fascinating. I, I could imagine all the film noir bits and, you know, murder mm. and <laughs> crime. I can imagine Vampires. <laughs> I can imagine they'd be very interesting, but I, I, I kind of feel like if someone were to tell me what happened... Uh, my experience would not actually be that impoverished. Like I'd, I'd be interested to find out what happened, but I don't think the experience is interesting enough. Oh, well, I disagree with you. And and actually, I found it so interesting that it's one of my pet peeves. You know, so, um, I mean, I have this whole rant that I wrote on my blog about, you know, the way that museums disdain cinema. Right, so I had this experience where I went to the Queen Sophia Museum, and film is everywhere, right? So they're quoting the Battle of Algiers, an American in Paris, you know, um, uh, 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 um, a lot of Reiniger's animation, animated films. I mean, it's it's just an endless stream of uh, films that they're showing. They were showing Almodovar's Dark Hideout, you know, as well, and the way they show it is so disdainful. Actually, the dark hideout bit just pissed me off because, you know, they just had, like, a computer screen that had ran out and in which the colors had run to pink because the bulb was going Mm -hmm. in a fully lit room, right? And, yeah, kind of... So, you know, they're exploiting the meaningfulness and the beauty and the historical value of these films whilst showing them with the utmost disdain. Right, they would never dare show, you know, a Goya by photocopying, you know, a, a bad picture from a book. And what they're doing with cinema is the equivalent of that, right? Like they're showing them in fully lit rooms. Uh, they're often on a loop, you know, kind of. They're often projected in the wrong format. You know, they're often projected in really degraded versions, right? And often they're not using the film you know, as a historical moment or a sociological instance, the way that they sometimes put a newspaper article under glass. They're not using films in the, in those ways, actually, mm. right? So it pisses me off, you know, it really does, that they spend hundreds of thousands of pounds transporting, you know, a painting and make sure that it's hung properly and lit properly, you know, and they agonize and they pay hundreds of thousands of pounds in insurance and so on. And then you have these great treasures of 20th century art and they treat them like shit. It pisses me off no end, right? And one of the things that connects with the clock is they built a special room. <laughs> you know, they brought sofas. Yep. It's completely dark. You you know, I kind of, the moments that I went in, especially with my sister, I could not see a thing. It's the way that movies are meant to be seen, mm. right? It's the way that I wish museums would show movies, properly right and instead they 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 undertake that expense you know to do a piece like the clock right where they even they have special seating a special room it's beautifully projected it's magic even though the 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 way that the clock the piece itself 
treats the cinematic heritage is quite disdainful. I think if you're cropping or stretching, you're pissing on film history. You know, mm. that's just, you know, you wouldn't stretch, you know, uh, a Da Vinci. Yeah, mm. you wouldn't crop a Da Vinci. Right. One of the things that I liked particularly about the, the screening room was that when I stood at the back, the, the thing is vast. It's a, it's like it's almost like a fucking aircraft hangar. It's so big and long, this place. And the film is big right at the end. And, and obviously sitting up very close to it is great because it's so big and quite mm. in front of you. But when I stood at the back and I had kind of, and I would say maybe 30 rows of, of sofas in front of me, and the sofas were white. So when something bright happened on the screen, they all reflected that. And it kind of showed up everyone. Yes. And I th- it looked fantastic from the very back when that happened. Yes. It was worth it, you know, despite the fact that it hurt my feet. <laughs> that, that was kind of great. And it, and it emphasised. And, and that did show a kind of love for the image mm. and love for the experience. And I, I remember, because um, there's, there's been, I think there's been talk about people want to buy it and stuff. And I think Christian Markley has, has always said, if you want to buy it, it comes with the room. That's what I've heard. Uh, well, that's great. Now source that, but that's kind of. It should also come with proper ratios. Well, exactly. <laughs> um, but I think part of that, part of the, the one of the good things, as well as well about the experience, which kind of goes hand in hand with, with, well, one of the other good things about the experience is that you are only allowed to watch it at the same time as the time of day. Yes. You can't. You can't go. I'm going to wind ahead to eight in the morning to see yes. what happens. And that's great because it's there's a couple of things for one thing while you're in the queue outside I was in the queue for 45 minutes you were in the queue for about two hours weren't you yes um, huge queues on, on the on Friday on Friday night. night it was like terrible yeah um, but while you're in the queue you're kind of imagining what's going on right now you know you know the film is going on and you kind of think well, what's happening now it's six in the afternoon what's going on and and then while you're while you're in there watching it you know you're very aware of the time because it's showing you the time and at 7.30 people are having dinner and you kind of imagine other people, real people in the real world, mm. having dinner at the same time. You mm. kind of you feel like you know, oh, this could be happening to me now. This is actually happening happening now somehow. Yeah. So I think it's great, yeah. you know, and it's and it and it's directly tied to to the fact that you can only watch it at the right time. Yes. You know what I mean, I think that's really, I think that's great. And again, that will be kind of that will be diminished. Yes. Um, it wouldn't exist, you know, if you if you're able to just watch it on DVD or whatever. Yes, I mean, I think the, you know, the experience for me... You need to be able to imagine these things happening right now. Yes. Um, I think also, well, we, you know, we had a conversation about this where we disagreed, but um, to me, it really showed the value of film going, that being in this darkened room, you know, with these glorious images you know, generally in, in good copies, yeah, like kind of, there were a few moments where they were clearly using quite degraded mm. clips, but, you know, the bulk of them were really quite wonderful to see. Um, mm. And it just brought me joy. You know, you were in the dark and you were riveted and you were, I was thinking of nothing else except, you know, what I was seeing in front of me, you know, and I thought it kind of brought back the value of cinema. Yeah, that kind of, you're alone, but you're with other people, you are conscious of other people's reactions. But on the other hand, kind of, you know, the only, the main thing in your sight is that which, where the light is coming from. You're, 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 you're looking at the light and kind of, and the light is leading you into kind of this, you're being enveloped in these glorious images, really. And, you know, unfolding in time. And I just kind of love that. Did we disagree about that? Yeah, I kind of... Um, yeah, well, my feeling is that you didn't agree with that, that you thought it didn't kind of convey that experience of cinema. Oh, well, I mean, I, I think I think there were elements about the experience that were impoverished because I was so disappointed in the film, really, because I wasn't as enveloped by it as I wish I had been. Um, and I, as, as, I mean, my, my expectations were very high, um, so that's an issue. I mean... I don't think I've, I've not seen anything negative written about the film anywhere. It's been nice. kind of positivity basically since it came out, since it was first you know, exhibited, um, sort of in twenty ten, I think. So that obviously sort of um, up my expectations and set me up for a bit of a letdown. But I mean, in terms of in terms of the kind of the setup and and all you say about just the joy of of being in a cinema and and and. The experience of kind of yeah, a shared yet 
individual experience and all that kind of thing. I agree mm. with that. Mm. I would disagree with actually the quality of the images. I think li- literally, just literally, I think I think too many of them seemed to be low quality footage somehow. I, I think the differences between the TV clips because you know there were there was quite. I noticed the Avengers, the Prisoner. Uh, there were a few Columbos, mm. right? And you could instantly tell that it was like a, you know, a, a, a degraded image. Um, and sometimes, uh, sometimes, sometimes it almost seems to be taken off YouTube. Some of them, some of them did look uh, yeah. very degraded um, from films, um, but but there were also fabulous ones, you yeah. know. Uh, yeah. And I really appreciated that. I mean, you know, so so we've had a lot of criticisms. But the fact is, it's the only artwork, it's the only time that I've returned to an exhibition four times. Mm. You know, I mean... But you always wanted to catch a different bit, didn't you? Well, that's true, though actually I was quite yeah. willing... Like, imagine, imagine if you saw the Mona Lisa, imagine if, if they showed you the bottom left quarter of the Mona Lisa and said, come back tomorrow, you can see the top right. Listen, that's, <laughs> that's not comparable. And in fact, I would have been quite prepared to sit with you for another, you know, because yeah. I, I think we'd agreed to stay until one, mm-hmm. and I'd already seen the 12, and I would have been quite happy to see it again. Yeah. You know, so, um, I mean, I, I I think, it to me, it was like a, a fantastic experience with all of the problems that we mentioned, which I think are real problems, and if it hasn't received any criticism, it should. It certainly should. I think, I think actually, as I say, my brother was talking to me about as well, we saw him in the evening, and um, he said... He reckons that people that have been like reviewing the idea of the film more than the film itself or well, piece itself, which I think is is, is true because like the the concept is so good, yes. it's so good and it's captivating. Immediately you get it, you know. You go, wow! Imagine what that would be like. And and actually, there is there is plenty of room for significant criticism. There that, is, but that I haven't seen anyone give to it. But to be fair. You know, there were about eight moments during the time that I watched it that I thought, oh, my God, isn't this great? And actually, my problem is then I didn't write notes. So, you know, I can't articulate now, you know, what it was about the cutting or the juxtaposition or, Mm. you know, the plays with sound or images or the way that it cut, you know, that I thought was so great. You know, so Mm. I just remember my feeling about it, Um, you know. But I trust my feeling about it. You know, yeah, sure. I, I actually, I, I, I wouldn't. I trust mine as well. Yes. Well, I wouldn't denigrate it. You know, I thought it was doing very, very interesting things. You know, kind of um, uh, formally, really. Uh, I want, I want to mention the use of sound as well because um, uh, I think there's, there's a kind of central conflict, well, not conflict, but a difference between the way the film uses images and uses sound, and the way it manipulates them. Um, so, the images. Okay, we've talked about how they're cropped, and that's one issue. Um, but the way they're cut is everything's done with a hard cut, right? So when when if, when one film is moved to another film, moved to a TV show, whatever, it's just hard cuts the whole way. And sometimes they cut very quickly, as I say, with those like with those telephone conversation bits. They're mm. cut together. It, they're cross cutting between one film and another, back and forth to create something new. And, and other times it's just you're cutting from one film to another because the time is moved on. Mm. Um, but the sound fades. You know, the, the sound doesn't cut with it. The sound very often fades, and they've and they've re, they've mixed it. So the sound from uh, you know maybe someone will be uh, at a train station, and you'll hear the noise of the trains, and then as that cuts to someone else in a completely different situation, the sound of the trains will remain and fade out. Mm. It helps to smooth the process. I think that's the reason also that that the film that everything has been cropped to one aspect ratio is to create a visual smoothness to it. Yes. You know, because I think the film is scared of cutting between, you know, widescreen and full frame and widescreen and different mm. widescreen. I think that wouldn't be that much of an issue. Mm. But it's I think that is why the film has done it. Mm. To to smooth the experience of watching it. But then at the same time, like that's also why the um the sound is faded the way it is. Because again it smooths the experience. It's not abrupt cutting between you know, it's not sounds just being cut off. Um which I don't have a problem with. Like, I think, you know, uh, um, we talk about kind of respect for the films that it's showing, and that could be an issue of it as well, because, you know, in in blending the audio from one film into another, that is manipulating what the audio is, but but I think the effect is a positive one. And, you know, I think that what the, what's happening is that the clock is um, qualitatively transforming the footage that it uses, mm. you know. 
into something else. And I think that's part of it. On top of that, the use of music, like you said, you mentioned things like the 400 Blows music mm. kind of being overlaid over on top of other things. There are times when it's used to really great effect. I'm thinking particularly of in the five minutes before midday, mm. you get a lot of shots of people checking their watches, mm. and checking clocks and things, and going, are they going to turn up or whatever mm. it is. You know, it's like meetings seem to happen at midday. Mm. And um, and at one point, there's a cl- there's a clip from Run Lola Run. I don't remember much about Run Lola Run, or I certainly don't remember the specifics of. But I think something must happen at midday in that film because that's why it shows up. And um, and the, the techno music. Uh, continues it's not just that it fades into the next clip and fades out it's that it continues for a minute or so you know like lots and lots of shots of people checking their watches and this run load of run and you know mm. techno music is um it's kind of amplifying everything and making it into like a chase sequence mm. like you're chasing down midday yes. you know, which is great actually when midday arrives i found that a bit of a disappointment because it's just loads of clocks during midday yes. <laughs> but before then it ramps up this fantastic anticipation mm. using Using the soundtrack from one film over many, many others. Right. You know. I, I, anyway, I just think. That, so it's an interesting thing of how kind of the sound design. It, it's funny how we're talking about the kind of manipulation of the images as being kind of a negative, but the, the but the manipulation of the sound is to me an absolute positive. The film uses it to its benefit always. It always does it in ways that incur thought, but again, it relies on you recognizing it. Or it often relies on you recognizing it. I think kind of the uses of the sound of the 400 blows wouldn't have the same effect if you didn't recognize that it's coming from the 400 blows. Well, there's an element of that. I think there's certainly an element of recognizing things. I think this the film does this with jokes as well. Mm. Um, so I think, uh, well, for one thing, there's like Inspector Clouseau. There's a joke about um, uh, synchronizing watches. And, you know, the, the joke in the original film is that they can't synchronise their watches properly. And that's funny. And then there's, like, an added joke in the clock that mm. it's happening at the actual time it is, you know. So, like, is this the real time? What's going on? Are they right or wrong? Um, but there's there's another way that the film kind of tells jokes, which is... Uh, well, the one I'm thinking of is Back to the Future. Because the thing about Back to the Future is that's all about time. And... Um, there are there are there are moments of Back to the Future where the clock is very important, particularly when I forget exactly the time it is, but it's it's when they the lightning strikes the the tower, and that's when they have the power to get back to 1985. So the film kind of uses that clock um, quite a few times, but but because because the the clock the film the clock is kind of showing you like one day cyclically, and and Back to the Future is in 1985 and 1955 and 1885, then it sort of, it takes these this trilogy of films that you know is all about travelling through time and somehow lays it out into one day, mm. weirdly. So, so, so like, um, I mean, it, it, was, it was in the morning um, where, I forget exactly what it was, but there was a clip of Marty McFly at like 10 in the morning doing something. He was, he was out, I think it's when the mayor, no, it's, it's, it's when the guy, it's when Marty McFly's with his girlfriend by the clock tower, by the clock... By, by the town hall and the guy says can you sign this petition to save the clock mm. and that's at like 10 past 10 and then like half an hour later you see Martin McFly waking up in bed because he's woken up late which which doesn't make sense right like how can he have been out in that in the morning and then just waking up because mm. they're from different parts of the film with different films but they, but it's great because I think like the, the whole I think it's specifically because it's back to the future that it's funny because it's like he has travelled through time in art piece as well uh-huh. I don't know I like that okay. I, think, I think the film has a kind of it has a certain amount of wit about the way it uses the way it uses time and tells time okay, and understands that you you know sort of yeah. are watching it at a certain time and the audience is with it yeah and the, yeah, I think the audience recognises it or you know uh, certainly the audience reaction in bulk I mean uh, uh, recognised uh, that for sure yeah. and that was part of the, of the joy of, of watching it really yeah um, anyway we should probably wrap up. Any last point? Uh, nothing last, really. I think we've kind of. I, I was. I'm sad to say that I was disappointed by it, and I know that my expectations were really high, and I've been looking forward to it for a long time. So I'm sure that's part of it. But I think there is room for significant criticism of it, and I think that. Okay, I've seen. I've seen five hours out of twenty-four. So, you know, it's it's a bit like. You know, it's a bit like trying to talk about any film that we normally talk about, having seen twenty minutes of it in a way. Well, it's not quite the same thing. It's not quite the same thing. But um, you know, I've seen I've seen a significant, I've seen five hours of it, and um, 
I did find that too little of it seemed to me to really elevate the material it was working with, although I could completely see the ideas behind it. Hmm. It's, there, were, there are points where it's like a film, and those are great, and there are a lot of points where it's like a film project, hmm. which is not so great. Well, I must say, um, I loved it, right? So I think you're right, and I agree, that there is room for significant criticism, and it must be made. Um, and, you know, for me, the, the two criticisms that I would make of them, first, I do think it's kind of unconsciously an imperial project in the choices that it makes, or it kind of, it certainly reveals um, those aspects of it. Um, it's unconsciously um, unrepresentational, mm -hmm. right? Um, I didn't kind of see any selection of gay people Women were, I think, underrepresented. Uh, you know, certainly every time a black person appeared, it made you conscious of how little you had seen of black mm. people. Um, I think those are, to me, those are relevant criticisms. I would also kind of criticize uh, inversely. Uh, so on the one hand, I loved being in these wonderful seats and this wonderful screen and this wonderful room and having that experience. On the other hand, it made me ultra conscious and annoyed that you know an art piece was getting this kind of treatment whereas the rest of the cinema in the museum was being treated like shit mm. yeah so kind of one is um a criticism of the thing itself and another one is a criticism of what the piece brings to mind that is in spite of itself <laughs> can i say one thing about the women actually because i know we're trying to finish but this is actually brings up a point that that I think is interesting, I'm glad you reminded me of, which is that it's not just a film about trying to show you kind of different peoples and connecting them, but it's also, a, it's about cinema, right? We didn't really think about it. It's, 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 it's not just, it's about cinema. And um, so I saw 10 till 12 and 7 till 9 in the evening, 10 till 12 in the morning. And, um, and I can certainly notice a difference between the number of, the amount of women in mm. those times between 10 and 12 there's very few women really it's all about guys doing stuff and between 7 and 10 in the evening there are a lot more women women were uh, you know at the home uh, preparing dinner or women were um, going on dates with people we were, and it, they weren't just necessarily doing the kind of uh, stereotypical things but they were just involved more somehow and they were involved less in that early kind of time in the morning and and I'm not sure that that you know that might I think that's actually revealing of cinema more than it is about the film and the, the choices the film makes okay. like it, it has because it, the, the film is not inventing stuff it, it has to draw on what is available from cinema well I think that's true and I think that's interesting I think that's true but I also think that within that so it is about cinema and you know the, the women has to be looked at and so on and the functions that they fulfill and so on is true but you know during the whole of the first 60 years of cinema women were the dominant audience, mm. right? So, you know, there's a lot of films that we now call women's films, which were just films, you know, that everybody saw and, you know, kind of women were a, a majority component of the audience in general, right? And actually, I do think that's underrepresented. So I was very conscious, for example, of the moments that you saw Joan Crawford or Marlena Dietrich or, you know, the wonderful moment in The Letter where kind of Betty Davis allows herself to be killed at the end and you have that wonderful shot of the moonlight. So, you know, those are the things that kind of you remember, but the rest of it does seem to be men, mm. you know? And so, for example, the clips about Laura, which is basically Dana Andrews going through the apartment and so on, and then you see Laura through the painting and, you know, kind of Laura comes and brings a coat or something. That's a, that, is a, that is cinema, and that cinema, that's a problem with, you know, the representation of women in cinema. But there's lots of other choices that this filmmaker could have made, mm. right? And I would say that to me, it did seem, I don't know, 80% men doing things, yeah. you know, and that is not cinema. I th I, you know, I think that's probably true. I just think it's interesting. I think, you know, were I to sit again, I'll, I'll definitely kind of pay more attentive, you know, pay more attention to that because I think that's interesting. I think there's there's a difference. There's, a, there's an interesting conflict between 
what maybe you'd like to show and actually what is available and what the kind of preponderance of clips available to you might be. Yes. I think it's kind of interesting. Um, but, you know, it's for another time. Anyway, and a way to end on is I would still urge everyone I know to go see it. Yes. It's it's a great, great work. You know, I, I do think it's kind of... It, as it's It's the only installation piece that I have been tempted to see more than once and well, four it's times deeply ambitious <laughs> it's incredibly ambitious and a lot of work has gone into it and the fact that it as you say um, provides such a great cinematic experience within the confines of or within the within the context of an art gallery mm, uh, it's fantastic. Yes, you know that it's not that it's it's. I mean, it's the thing that everyone is at the Tate to see. You know, yes. huge queues. And, yes. Um, uh, and that's that's great. I, I don't think that just speaks to the kind of mystique it's been able to build up for a long time. Because I think the fact that it maybe this is another part that it's had such kind of good reviews and things and good press is because it's come around so rarely. Yeah. That that but scarcity it, has allowed to build up a great amount of hype. But often but, in art, there in in art in the museum. There's a great difference between the reviews and the publicity and the word of mouth. Yeah. And actually, I do think that this is so fascinating because the word of mouth has been terrific. I can't think of anyone who hasn't encouraged their friends to go see it. Mm. Well, it's singular. I mean, it's what I've said to all my friends as well. Like For all the criticisms that I have, it's a singular work yeah. and absolutely worth your time to, to try it out, mm. You know, no matter what you make of it. you know, It's and, a shame to miss it. And that might be a wonderful note to end on. Yeah, but it's, well, you know, by the time this goes out, it won't be at the Tate anymore. So, but it will most likely be somewhere else, and somewhere else near you. It'll come it? round, and yeah. if you do get the chance to see it, it's, it's worth going to for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we are eavesdropping at the movies, and we are at uh, we're on iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, um, YouTube, and uh, Twitter and Facebook, and eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Thank you very much for listening. Bye bye. <laughs>